Shut up, I love it. Alright, take it easy baby, telling stories all night, he was an American boy. Shut up. I love it, I'm Joe Cabello. And I'm Sasha Feiler, and this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a very special guest to talk about something underrated, misunderstood, forgotten, something just really unknown. And oh boy, joining us today. He is the original writer and producer of Johnny Depp's Minamata, an amazing movie, highly recommend, available on Hulu. He had been a stand-up comic, copywriter, and designer. Welcome, David K. Kessler. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, Sasha. Didn't know you were middle K there, your little well, initial there. Just the there. David Kessler just sounds so generic, and there's a lot of... <laughs> There's like the there's a David Kessler. He's the head of the FDA. Um, oh, you know, there's we're there's, big fans of that David Kessler. You as well, but you know, we we've been following <laughs> his work. Done, he has done incredible things. Yeah. Um, okay. I forget what his middle initial is. So it just felt really generic, David Kessler. It's good. <laughs> I, I love yeah. that bio because it starts with I mean just a, a great credit. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And then just kind of like tapers down. It's like he wrote this movie that's on Hulu with one of the biggest stars and also a copywriter. And like, well, it's it's know. hard to flip it the other way. This is either right, way. You gotta you're start with your strongest credit. You gotta start. You yeah. gotta start strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. E- either way, impressive. Yeah. Well, I now put, after I almost put plus he was in the laundry business, but I was like, oh, oh. that's a joke. And then I have to explain it, and people are going to make money laundering jokes, and I don't care for that. I already was. I already had a couple. Already I still go. might. So I just, <laughs> I just was like, I'm just an innovative designer. <laughs> All right, um, we're not going to delay this any longer. We want to hear from you, David K. Kessler. What are you here to talk about? The Martin Scorsese movie. It's a documentary called American Boy. Did, did you and both get a chance it, to see it? Oh, we are yes. professionals here. We're professionals. When someone brings on a topic, we watch, we listen, we experience, it's we only, do it all. It's only 55 minutes. Like It's, it's under, not bad. It's under an hour. Yeah, you did us a favor. Some people are like, hey, Snyder cut Justice League. And I go, okay, let me <laughs> right. clear my schedule. Right, right. Uh um, so, um, how, yeah, how you mentioned like this movie to me. Whoa, oh, we'll get well, it. Whoa, you're okay. You're throwing uh, us in the hot seat. All right. But uh, let's start. Let's start with you, David. Uh, how did you hear about this film, and how did you become a fan? And what is it? No. What? What is That's it? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. What is it? <laughs> what? It's what is it? Point. Oh, yeah, it's a documentary by Martin Scorsese, profiling a friend of his named Stephen Prince. Stephen Prince is. If you're a fan of Taxi Driver, he's the guy that sells the guns to De Niro in the seedy hotel room. You know, he's the nervous. A lot of dialogue. That's that. That's he he has to keep on talking. Well, Scorsese told him to keep talking. Scorsese went after the sale. Scorsese says, "See what else you could sell him." So that's when he says, do you need oh. uppers down there? It's a Cadillac. I can get you a Cadillac. That Cadillac sounded like a great deal with pink slip. Yeah. yeah. 
but he improvised all that 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 last bit. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he's the one that like opens the the two tr- suitcases and like you know here's a snub nose. You know, your forty four Magnum. They shoot elephants in Africa with this. You know. So. I gotta just say, I rewatched that scene last night, and I was like, motherfucking De Niro. Uh, like he's just one of the most like charismatic people ever. Like he's he barely doing anything in that scene. I don't he's even just think he says around. anything. No, he does not. He and he's literally just walking from. He's just like from one like right foot, left foot, just changing like his face at like angle. I'm like, I could watch this guy for days. He's so good. What is he doing? And I also I watched. Old- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you. I think the only thing he says is when he's like uppers, downers, speed. <laughs> he's. I don't want. I don't want any of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I watched that scene amazing. as well uh, today. Uh, Sasha sent it. Uh, I'll admit I have never seen Taxi Driver. Sorry, everybody. Whoa! Come at me. Uh, and but this I, podcast yeah. right now. And then I'll watch. Joe it is very well watched. Thread, etc. I know you so have all these like, movie toys behind you, and you never saw Taxi Driver. You know what? I'll say this, and it's it's something that's been said before in different ways. There's a lot of movies. Yes. Yes. Okay. And but, sometimes yeah, we have to watch judge? random ones for this podcast, yes. so it really yeah, eats he, into my real movie watching. That's why. That's probably why we watched like them. Some... Nineteen seventies, like pantheon, like cornerstone. Yeah. One day. Yeah, One I day. feel like there's a lot of cornerstones, though. But I will say it goes to show as much as uh, De Niro is magnetic, Stephen Prince. The fact that he can steal that scene, I mean, definitely says something about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how did you stumble upon this? Oh, right. So, I, it was, uh, I, I was at, a, I was living at home. It was like a, some summers between some college years or something. Like, was, nobody remembers. I mean, I sort of remember. So it might have been like. <laughs> It was certainly before Pulp Fiction. I know that. So it was like uh-huh. nine, two, Important. This is important. Yeah, mention. Well, important. there's pre-Pulp Fiction and post-Pulp Fiction this in the was world. Like, maybe it was 91, <laughs> and they were having a Martin Scorsese film festival in Philadelphia, mm. where, my, where my parents live. Mm. And my dad took me, or I took him, I don't remember. But this was one of the, this was a movie they showed. Um... And again, this is before the internet. You know, you couldn't Google this this stuff. You know, oh, maybe maybe they did a pairing of Italian American, yeah, the companion documentary, which is made around. The I haven't seen, but I read about time. it. But Scorsese goes to his parents' little Italy apartment. Uh, his yeah, and he just films his parents bickering, <laughs> <laughs> and and then his mother makes his mother makes pasta. And the end credits of Italian American is like the recipe, his mother's recipe. It's just oh. like it just oh, goes. That's amazing. And, you know, like four cans of like uh, you know unripened tomatoes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's always so, the tomatoes, man. So, so, yeah, it's American Boy story of Stephen French. And he tells the story. He tells the shooting gallery story, which is a fascinating story, like in and of itself, you know. Um, and he's Can you very, just give the context? So it's this one of the stories he, that Stephen Prince, Prince tells was him. a heroin addict in the, I guess, the early seventies, late sixties. And he tells a story that you know he went to like I wouldn't say it was a high end 
shooting gallery where you you know you've got needles and heroin because i think right before he talks about it, he sits on somebody who i think is dead on the sofa <laughs> remembering correctly but he said this one particular you know shooting gallery they had medical supplies they had needles and uh, adrenaline and, and a heartbeat machine and oxygen and all these sort of things in case somebody did o od and then he's with a couple <clears throat> and then the woman ods and then he's forced to revive her with them with the with the you know equipment they have at this at this you know junkie parlor and famously and i guess might ring a bell for anybody yeah. who's watched right you're setting up you're setting up the so when i saw pulp, pulp fiction, fiction when did pulp fiction come out 96 or five forget reservoir dogs we'll never know we will never find out nine reservoir dogs <laughs> might have been 92 or 93 93 and then maybe pulp fiction was two years i could ago. text harvey right real quick and ask him uh, so I'm watching Pulp Fiction, and they're and they're basically reenacting every detail of yeah. Stephen Prince's it's like a magic like, marker and everything. Like, yeah, 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 down to the magic marker and all the details. But like, I can't, I can't do it. You're like, I, you know, she's like my wife. You know, I, it's like a memoir. You got a memory for you've known her two days. I think that's in Pulp Fiction. Um, those 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 little lines yeah the, med, the sharpie marker in the medical dictionary and counting down the ribs and she came right up she came right up but apparently right did you read the new yorker article about stephen prince so i read it just now right before okay. the recording an article okay. about him just mm -hmm. like the background on him written in 2020 great year okay um yeah and 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 so he's still alive at the time alive 72 has a toddler son who is not he has, a, two years he old. has a 20 something year old girlfriend too yes yeah i think she's 30 in her late 30s but now, maybe now now oh okay i'm sure but at the time so he's just like living this like oh hi paradise life uh and yeah and he he is telling the interviewer the new yorker guy that he later, much later, was talking to a therapist and was telling the details of the story of s rescuing this woman who almost OD'd. Mm -hmm. And they figured out that it's the same woman because he knew her name and he knew, like, she was an actor in some movie, that she actually died under the care of that therapist or that psychiatrist, whatever. So from being like an, uh, she was OD like she eventually died in front of this same doctor that later was talking to Stephen Prince so oh let, let, yeah the come up and the therapist in a different life knew her yeah oh I see. yeah wow so I don't know it just seemed like very serendipical there's Is that the word there's weird yeah. stuff in St Stephen Prince's life as demonstrated in the documentary about you know the gorilla at the party do you have a monkey yeah. here? Is there, yeah. is there a monkey in the house? Oh, that's He's correct. Gorilla is not a monkey, right? Well, that's the thing. But I think he, he thought it was a monkey because he saw the... Right. He just saw like a the shape. black like, shape. And he said, get a monkey here? Oh, that's just Bubba. Mm. That's not um, just anything. That's No, and then of course, like, there's all the violent incidences in his life and the, you know, and the... Uh, you know the thing with the kid and the and the power mm -hmm. uh, the, the generator. 
Yeah, what was the context for that story? Just so you give a little understanding to the audience. He he was in construction, I and mean, he it sounded like from that article he's still in construction. Um, but he, you know, he built a lot of sets and whatnot. And uh, I, I guess he was, I guess he was working in New York in the late '60s. Again, early '70s. It's hard to tell, but he, yeah, he's part of a crew that's setting up a band shell or something. And he saw he like he saw the electricity drop on the meters so he knew there was a break and he ran to the break and there was some kid that pulled apart the um port apart the, the the electric um you know like, like a probably a very good yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, probably a very thick cable carrying a lot of voltage most likely you know and he said the kid was holding it and he was standing in a puddle and there was a fence and it it didn't it didn't oh my god it didn't, it didn't go well. what's crazy about that story i mean they're all it pretty intense is his friend brings it up and like kind of goads him into telling the story and it's that thing where they're kind of being playful with each other in a way like you you don't know how to read it right but it just seems like oh steven's like i don't want to tell that story i didn't do it it was nothing wrong and you're like okay it kind of feels like he's hamming it up of like here's a bad story where like i didn't do anything wrong you're like okay i want to hear this and then the haunting like last 10 seconds of the story where he's like, no, the kid fried, he, he died. Oh, and oh, you're just he, like, Oh my God. Like, you, you can almost <laughs> see it like passing over yeah. his eyeballs, like the trauma. Cause Scorsese, I think off screen is like, what happened to the kid? Oh yeah. He fried. Yeah. And like, it's almost, that's the moment that Steven even like understands it or like, uh, uh, yeah, processes it is in that moment because I mean, it's a great storyteller, you know, and yeah. has great stories. So it's that thing of like you're caught up in a story and then you kind of hit that like you're past the hump and the wave of excitement of the story and see the implications of the story and are like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it was bad actually. It's a similar pattern happens on the last story of um, mm -hmm. about the. The, the Native American on PCP who tries to rob the um, gas station. And they give him yeah. a prop gun and they keep encouraging him to keep telling, yeah. it, telling it over and over again, that ending. Yeah, it sounds like and the New Yorker article kind of lifts the veil on that, is that Scorsese really was goading him into like telling the stories. Like, like he had an outline. Like St Stephen Price had an outline. <laughs> with all these stories and he like rehearsed. And so Scorsese was actually very open about like kind of coaching him into saying things, like things that he's heard him say before because he was his assistant, Scorsese's assistant, but also like a friend, but also like it's one of those like people that's just in some famous hard to approach person's kind of aura, like in that like little circle and they serve like many different purposes, but nobody can tell what the purpose is besides that that famous person likes them. Right. And kind of like treasures them and is fascinated by them. Because I was struck watching the movie how, or the documentary, how kind of enamored Scorsese was with him. And I was like, it's just like a junkie telling stories. Like there's well, so many well, of them right. in New York. Like not, I mean, he must be, even if he wasn't visibly enamored, by uh, by Stephen, he obviously is because he made yeah. a whole hour long movie about him. So, 
I, I, I'm just so fascinated by the fascination of the guy that people love, who is Scorsese. But also, Scorsese is going through like a dark time in his life. Then, right? He's like super on coke, apparently. And what I got that at that time, and also uh, I, what I, because 1977 is when the movie was shot, and 1978 is when Scorsese got cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the heroin story that Stephen Price tells, like where he's like, I don't do heroin anymore. Like he's like, it's a past tense, basically. Uh, but it turns out he was actually also doing like cocaine heavily at the time. So he basically switched from downer to upper. Uh, but you know he's not like clean or anything but it's, again it's a different era it's a time that no longer exists <laughs> time and place captured with these dudes just sitting there in the couch and like listening to this guy telling like stories they heard before and they're like it's worth it we're gonna make like it's worth to dedicate a couple of days to make this well also <laughs> crazy because this is like something like this is not unusual now I've watched many oh. things like this these days on YouTube alone. Interesting people with interesting stories where an hour, even two hours of content is given to them talking mm-hmm. and seeing a profile piece. But incredibly unusual and unique, I would think, when you're shooting on fucking film. I mean, you even yeah, yeah. see it. I, I'm so glad, though part in the beginning is there just for uh, historical sake of talking about the film like oh how much can we shoot two minutes no we can't tell that story in two minutes because I don't think aren't they sharing a hot tub right like they're in the hot tub at some point together or something yeah I forgot if that was at the beginning of the yeah I forgot that part's at the beginning yeah where they're it's Mm -hmm. even I think before Steven gets there I think Marty and uh, Steven they're talking about it and it is like Something that I think a lot of people probably don't realize is the idea of minutes to film, right? Like, and and how kind of, like, crucial that is for something of this type of movie. Right, you're not just shot. sitting and rolling, like, on a stupid, like, digital. Yeah, because you can't stop. Ste- uh, imagine yeah. Steven's halfway through that story and you're, we got to change canisters. Right. You can't do that. Right, right. You know, there's a sequel to it. 2000, I don't know much about it. Tell us. What, have you seen it? And is it good? Oh, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's, I don't know who shot it, but it's in a it's in a house. It's similar. It's in a house. I don't know when it was shot, maybe 10 years ago. Richard Linklater is in the broom. And Richard mm. Link, Linklater, that's, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. The, the director. Yeah is prodding him for stories like Scorsese had. And they're all just like sitting around him, just like fascinated. And Mm. and he's, I don't know, he's he's telling news stories. He might be telling some follow-ups. He looks a little different. I mean, he looks healthier. Uh, yeah, you know, I think he is a little wired in that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, his face is filled out, so he doesn't look as emaciated. Yeah, you know, and in the in the Rizzle movie, he kind of looks like Jerry Lewisy. You know, his like eyes are very sunken in, and his cheeks are sunken. The, teeth, I, I'm gonna mention the New Yorker call him like a bobblehead of Scorsese. <laughs> just, I thought uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then he just he tells he just tells like more stories in this in this thing. I, I don't even know what it's called. Maybe it's called American Man. I'm not sure. That would mm-hmm. make sense. I saw American Dad. Is that connected at all? The no. animated show. <laughs> Got it. 
I, no, I but figured not. Richard Linkletter <laughs> did a movie. American Beauty. Like, what was it called? I was I was just calling anything. No, American Richard Linklater did a movie yeah. where it's like it's animated. Yeah. I think it's called Waking Life. Oh yeah, yeah. Where oh. it's like like they drew on the stills. Rotoscoping. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Price is. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, a few years Price, back. Prince is in Waking Life. He might okay. be telling one of the same stories from the Scorsese documentary. Oh, I'd love to watch that, that again. Yeah, I'd love to watch it again, life. knowing Thing. that. Yeah. I think he's like playing a bartender who's telling a story, and again, it's all you know, it looks mm. like a watercolor. Um, but I, I, I forgot about the I forgot about the sequel. Mm-hmm. Question for you. Mm. Even though I, I think it's in some ways obvious, is like what category of "Shut Up, I Love It" do you think this belongs in? Obviously, you love it, but well, I, when I originally got Sasha's invitation, it was like, "Oh, stuff you like that other people hate or don't like," or, or and I was just there are many I options. Just, I, yeah, really no, so yeah, but then options. I finally got to the bottom. I was like, "Oh, this is like something no one knows about," you know? And yeah, I, like I threw other examples you burned everything else all other options yeah it was like yeah. graham Set parker it on fire. nobody knows who graham parker is you know mm-hmm. one of the like greatest rock rock pop you know brits from from the 70s and 80s and like graham parsons no not graham parsons graham parker you know it's like the elvis mm. costello that never was you know they were actually mm. on the same label and their songs are similar, and they have a similar voice, and their words have their songs. That's a pitch for a different. Yeah, you rejected it. Your pitch against. We don't do music, but how did you like my song? But but yeah, it just falls into the same category of like stuff I like and love that like just obscure and like obscure totally people aren't mm-hmm. familiar with and again people love pulp fiction but they don't know like oh no that's Stephen prince's real story you know mm-hmm. yeah and why do you love it so much dave well he's a really compelling character to watch you know yeah mm-hmm. i think they said he was charismatic like, bo- like he was like a bobblehead of jerry lewis you know he just mm-hmm. has this like nervous mm-hmm. energy and as he's got really big eyes and he's Mm-hmm. nervous energy and yeah. uh, how he comes hard. in with mm-hmm. the wrestling match do you oh, think the wrestling yeah, he's wrestling george <laughs> mamoli who's another like part like of, of scorsese's um like little like compatriot like you know compatriots did um, he like george do lines Man- of coke in his car before he went in and then wrestled him like i wouldn't oh, the energy sure. he showed up with was uh, uh, steven <laughs> yeah because he immediately comes in the door he's wrestling <laughs> i don't know how tall he is but he weighs probably nothing no yeah um uh george mamemily the guy who wrestles was supposed to be in Taxi Driver, which we haven't seen. Mm. But remember that scene where Scorsese's in the backseat going, you see that woman in the window? You see her? Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's she's with another man. George Memoli was supposed to play that role, but got in a car accident. I think he later died oh. from his injuries. And Ooh. then Scorsese had to fill ah. in. So that, so that was the guy in the back of the taxi was supposed to be George Memoli. Um, and then Scorsese had to fill in. But yeah, they were all... So- I, I, Robbie Robertson might be in American Boy, maybe. Did you see him? He might have been. I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know, but do do you, David? Mm. Do you think that um, 
a prerequisite for becoming obsessed and like truly enjoying uh, American Boy, like you yeah. like, enjoy it, is like love of everything Scorsese. Like, do does one have to be Scorsese file to fall for American Boy, or do you think it stands on its own? I think it stands on its own. I mean, I think if you just like stories and the story about his grandmother, right? Wasn't there a story about his grandmother? And then like the bagel aunt, the little bagel, hot bagels, the hot bagels. What was it called? Hot bagels. <laughs> um, his dad, his dad worked at like the Department of Defense, and the thing about putting the newspaper to, to you know, there's just all these like make an explosion. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, because because the 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 flap wasn't flush. Um, yeah, all these little great little stories and. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Shooting gallery, hot bagels. Um, While you're thinking of that, it, you yeah. know, it's like he really strikes me like watching. Oh, first of all, he's feels very good. Like he's very natural in front of camera, right? Like he's very relaxed. He's very charismatic. Um, he's just kind of being himself. Like he feels like a kind of guy that everybody knows. Like everybody has a guy and they're usually a man, but maybe a woman. And they're surrounding in their circle where they're like, it's that crazy friend of mine. Like I have, we have, my, my husband and I have a friend, Bri, who is that person. Who is that person. He'll put it in front of the camera. He'll tell you stories that you like. I, I did not know anybody yeah. had stories like that. So, and then, so Stephen Price has this vibe of somebody who's like, he's not going to live long. Like he's going to just, like he's already lived a life of like an 80 year old person. Yeah. By the time everything. he was 20, <laughs> he had already Yeah, he's like 27 or something in the movie. I don't know, 28. He looks so, 40. Yeah, he's he looks older. <laughs> so, but but the but the way the way um, he is, you're like, oh, this is like a obituary to this guy. But no, the fact that he's like kicking. I don't know. You're saying he has a 20 year old girlfriend now, which I believe. But the, just the last that I saw in the in the papers was that he's kicking and making babies with like 35 year olds at you know when he's 70s and living in Ohio and like he's just like one of those people like somehow he survived through harrowing for all the craziness everybody died around them yeah. and then he's just kind of cruising he like he's still like telling stories about like Bruce Dern apparently and like oh, he's yeah. just like walking around telling stories about Hollywood you know there were you know I, I lived in New York for from 88 to 2000 there were a lot of like Stephen Prince type characters you left exactly when I came in we like replaced each other or like 2001 I came but, um, um, there, yeah there were a lot of there were there were a lot of characters in New York like there I, still are everywhere. I mean, yeah, and I the mean like are I saw there. Jim Carroll perform you know um, the, the the poet slash rock star Jim Carroll okay like I, oh, I, I saw the monkey. I, I not the ape, but the monkey. It was always walking uh, on Canal Street. Like uh, it was always a monkey. So oh, the monkey, totally fine, constantly. So I, I like I learned like living from living in New York in my twenties that like my early twenties like I don't. I'm not surprised by anything. Like I, the crazy fucking people out there, well, and they're all in New York, like gathered together. It's like beginning of Bo's Afraid. It's like motherfuckers are crazy, and they're all over the place. Like you just leave your house, and they're outside. Well, so I, this is this is a, this guys. is this is a side bar story, but it fits into the theme that you were talking about. 
So Parsons didn't have formal dorms. I went to Parsons. Um, and while you had dorms, they had real dorms, you know, like there was Reuben House and stuff. Sure. But Parsons, like, did kind of an ad hoc thing when it came to dorms. So there were people living, like, in the Sloan House YMCA on 34th and 9th Avenue. Oh, nice. Right, yeah. But I think they called it the Sloan House instead of, like, the Sloan YMCA. And then they put me in the Marlton House, which was, had been the Marlton Hotel, which was kind of like a low rent Chelsea hotel. So it was like, we lived among like people who lived in the hotel, like mm -hmm. in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. So the hotel was filled with like old people who've been living there since like the 40s or 50s. Oh wow. And crack addicts and welfare sure. families and um, cross dressers. So I like to say like, it was like living within the lyrics of a Lou Reed song. Uh, living, <laughs> mm -hmm. living at the Marlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a guy who like beat, yeah. beat his wife, and, you know. And Do you miss that? I don't. I, I, I feel don't. like it injected enough of writer in, in, in me as a writer. And I'm like, I don't want that around me. I don't. But some yeah, people I don't, maybe miss I'm it. Not, I don't want a crack addict living next to me, you know, anymore. Um, so, and then a guy who, you know, beats his wife on the other floor. You know, Definitely just, not the guy who beats his wife. That's for sure. You know, it's just, oh, but here's, here's the, here's the twist of that story. So Ooh, I lived there from 80 to 90. And then in uh, February of 16, I went to New York to try and get some IP rights. And I stopped by the Marlton, which is now they've turned it back into like a fancy hotel. Ian oh, Schrager nice. of, of, of Studio 54 bought it renovated it so i walk in and there's you know, this, it's beautiful and i've got a fire pit and it's gorgeous and it's 300 dollars a night and there's a there's a uh, check-in the check-in desk the front desk uh, which had cobwebs on it when i lived there so i walk up and there's a very, very young woman who's like oh are you checking in and i go no i checked out 25 years ago and she's oh are you, one the, are you one of the new school students and i said yeah and she goes what was it like i said Oh, we live with lunatics. <laughs> and then, like, her face just went white. She goes, six of them still live here. Oh, that's oh, amazing. They're waiting for them to, like, die out. That's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. So every every night one of these people was alive, Ian Traeger loses $300. But I was, <laughs> yeah. trying figure, I was trying to figure out in my head, like, who was the youngest old person? Mm. Yeah. In 19... 89 or 90 and then i was just like and then i thought of the guy who beat his wife okay he's still like, beaten or, or well okay, again oh. i was just thinking like god i hope not maybe he was in his 50s right so this is like people he, back in the day people were just letting that shit happen right <laughs> again it was I mean, like it was like living in the lyrics of like you just living madness andy says surrounding walk you. on the wild side um and then i was just like, yeah maybe he's in his 80s right just like guy on two and she just looked at the little this little piece of paper that she's got like pinned up you know and she goes yeah oh my gosh <laughs> that's so funny anyway so but it's good to know oh, you are oh, not one of you're not number seven that's oh, that's a, that's a, well that's it's funny because when i lived there i did think like maybe i can live here permanently maybe i can be one of these like you know permanent residents you would have been i mean think of the money you would have saved over the years they must have i mean it was an sro like a single ring occupancy like they have like downtown la mm. like the hotel cecil where they found the you know the woman in the you know water tank um 
they must have been paying like a hundred bucks a month for their like little rooms. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, for sure. Those New York rents. But yeah, so yes, like Prince was from New York, and it was just like you know, you know, I moved into the dorm in '88, so it was still like New York late '80s. You know, like Keith Haring walked past me once. How many That's times funny. have you seen this movie? American Boy. Man, I bought it on eBay, um, so I have I have a VHS of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, you two happens. Um, I don't know, four times, five times. Okay, enough that he remembers some lines and almost oh, all yeah. the stories. And then again, you know, like you can look it on YouTube, and again, some of the stories are real short. You know, mm-hmm. um, the adrenaline story is great too. You know, he's working. You know, <laughs> what's going on? Whoop. How much did he give you? All that was in the needle. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, when he's on the work crew. Yeah, he yeah. Him, like, pure adrenaline. Is that no? It's not adrenaline. It's it was speed. M- uh, meth. Yeah, I think meth. Yeah, yeah. he's just like no. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like trying to like process it. No. And I think that's like his genesis of how he started using drugs. Yeah. It sounded yeah, like it. Yeah. It. And then yeah. he started working. He was like working for like. The next like seventy two hours, he didn't sleep. It's insane. What do you need? What do you need? You need stuff painted. You need stuff built. Those stories. I mean, they're a time capsule of just a different time in America, mm-hmm. specifically, and like thing. I mean, gor- having owning gorillas, uh, let alone <laughs> let alone any of the other stuff. It's just. Uh, it was different New York at that time, a different New York. Yeah. And LA, a different LA. Yeah. Because uh, that's shot in LA. That's... It's shot in LA. It's shot like I think Mulholland somewhere. Yeah, yeah. because there's no hot tubs in New York. Um, oh, interesting. I, my parents put a hot tub in their. It's a great title for a song. No, <laughs> no hot tubs in New York. My parents got a hot song. My parents got a hot tub in, in Philadelphia. It's just like again, it's not Philadelphia is not. They try. It's they not hot tub weather. And then you know, and and like now I discovered they only used it like three times. Well, even hot tub <laughs> weather places, people generally buy one and use it about three times. So I think it's a hot tub. It's one of those things, like Tahoe or Big Bear. Yeah. I don't know where, like, what? Palm Springs? Palm Springs? I don't know, in a weird way. I guess it gets cool at night, you right? Yeah, in a weird way. Like, but, it's a vacation activity. Yeah, so it's my not parents a spent, like, $15,000 on, on, on a hot tub that they've used three times, you know. <laughs> $5,000 pop. Probably costs more to just maintain it and clean it and all that. Keep it, not contaminate it. Yeah, so, um, my, parents well, don't make, my parents don't make good decisions. <laughs> shout out to your parents. I hope they're listening. They are not listening. Um, okay. They did not uh, see my movie in the movie theater when it came to Philadelphia. <laughs> Listen, I haven't seen any of my husband's work uh, that he's been a DP on, so I understand them. And I may never do that. Um, I don't even know why. It's There's no good reason. Uh, I don't think it's my taste. <laughs> um, That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe it is. And I just, I'm you afraid to see how great he is. Yeah. That's it. Um, okay, well, 
I feel like we're ready to go to the ratings. Joe, would you tell us, especially David, but also me and like the listeners and <laughs> David's parents who are listening just today, um, how do ratings? They're not listening. How do ratings work? Yeah, so hold on to your seatbelts, everybody. Ratings work on the show. We're gonna rate American Boy on a scale of zero to ten, but we're gonna offer up something else as a basis for that scale. So that something like else that. can be another documentary. You could say, hey, American movie is a uh, 10 out of 10, and this is almost as good as that, good so it's an 8 out of 10. Or you could even say, hey, hanging out in a hot tub for 5K a pop is a 4 out of 10, and this movie is way better than that, so it's a 10 out of 10. So Am I, am I grading it? So we all are, are, and if our scale doesn't make sense... Don't worry, because Sasha and I will go first. Yeah, and you go, you get to go last, and you get to do whatever you want. But just, just watch and, and you know, imitate if best you can, David. Okay. Um, I don't even know. I guess I'm gonna compare American Boy, this experience of watching American Boy specifically, not the movie itself, but like the experience of watching it and being like, okay, it's a dude telling stories, to like being around dudes like that living in New York. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But like, you know, I've seen some shit like where I'll be like working as a bartender in Soho and then it's an after hour place so everybody gets arrested in front of me and they send like dogs to look like for cocaine behind the bar and I'm like, I don't even I didn't even know there is cocaine in this place. If I would have known. And, <laughs> I, I know. I, I mean, and, and then they like, you know, uh, uh, arrest the I- Italian chef called Flavio for the use of cocaine. I mean, just like a lot of like not <laughs> never ending, just 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 a life, just insanity, and thinking that life is normal like that. Like as a, as a young like twenty one year old, like, oh yeah, this is how life is. Like shit, just crazy. Um, I guess I just didn't understand the dangers of it all when I was that age, and. Uh, uh, but I thought everything was cool. It was like a, I really enjoyed living in New York and I thought it was the only place worth living at. And I thought all these characters just come with the, f- it just comes, it just comes with the territory. You have to have people like that around you. So I'll give it living in New York uh, and having people like that around me is like 9.5 <laughs> at the time. It was a good time. Um, American Boy, I enjoyed it. I still don't fully understand why is he such an interesting character. And I don't want to be like, that's because Scorsese said so, right? Or David K. Kessler said so, which still is more, I have more respect for that than like just because Scorsese said so. I'm like, he's on coke, like he's crazy. What does he know? Um, But I still enjoyed watching it. And I always love um, watching a charismatic person that's just good on camera, yammer about, and then... 55 minutes later, it's over. So I'll give it a solid 7.5 on the 10 scale. Joe, what about you? Uh, Well, I alluded to this earlier uh, that Mm -hmm. I've seen some stuff in this vein on YouTube of a profile piece on somebody for an hour or so. And there is one that I've watched probably actually more times than you've watched this movie, Dave. So 4.2 yeah. times. And that is from the YouTuber iDubsTV. 
his uh, uh, documentary called Full Force. Okay. And this documentary is about, I want to get the guy's name, who it's about, Airsoft Fatty is who it's about, who is another YouTuber. Wow, that's um, interesting. And Airsoft Fatty uh, had some fame for having these really awkward Star Wars lightsaber fights between mm-hmm. him and his redneck <laughs> uh, neighbors. Um, and he's a very odd-looking guy. He actually looks like something out of Star Wars. And this hour-long doc, I mean, it is amazing in every way. I mean, just a fascinating character of middle America. Um, I've watched it so many times. If there was, you know, it's one of those things that if you have a friend over, you're like, let me put this on and see them get sucked in. My friend. And, And then they do. They get sucked in. And every time it's like, Dude, that was so fucking weird, but so good. Like, what was that? Um, so full force. I haven't watched it in a couple years, but I might even watch it again tonight, just based off this. Give that a ten out of ten. Uh, go check it out. Idubs TV. B three Bs and a Z. Um, now this mm. this movie. You know, I admittedly not like I, I'm not the most uh, Scorsese. I'm not knowledgeable on Scorsese in a huge way. Um, some gaps I definitely need to fill on him. This was really interesting to know. Oh, this is a Scorsese movie, and it's a doc shot like this. This is wild. Um, and as it started, I'm like, well, why? <laughs> you know, it's a bit of like, what is, why is this? You know, but that being said, fucking entertaining hour of stories i i think it's if it was more than that without some sort of structure it's it loses you but an hour with um it does have a a good intro with the wrestling and him not being there at first and then just like lots of great stories that it's good stuff um i don't know if it it really depends how much you connect to this guy, Stephen Prince. But um, for me, it's a great, like I said, time capsule of Americana in that time, his stories. And I, it gave me a lot of appreciation of storytelling, not just as like the skill, but the memory. I was really like, captivated by the stories that weren't his that he was telling like stories of his aunt or his grandmother and stuff and i think there's just something so beautiful about being able to tell stories from your previous generations Mm -hmm. uh, that aren't your own stories but you're able to tell with the same vivid nature it almost made me sad in a weird way where i'm like I wish I would have sat down with my grandmother and written down the stories when we talked. I really do because they were, you know, so uh, seasoned with the time and with this life that you don't know, that you couldn't possibly know because of how things are now. Uh, And I really appreciate it on that level and, of course, the way this guy lived. Um, So I'll give it a 7 out of 10, which I know sounds not like a 10 out of 10, but... Uh, really did enjoy myself watching this. Uh, Dave, what about you, most importantly? I gotta say the 10. 
It's a 10 out of 10. Oh, and he didn't even give a comp. He broke no the comp. scale. Do you have a do you have a base? Compared to taxi driver. Like if taxi driver is a 10, where does that go? You know how we waste a bunch of time review rating something that isn't the thing <laughs> before we rate it? That's Well, it's I mean. a really it's a really lovely companion to taxi driver. You know, like it would make a great double bill, you know? Uh-huh. True. Because, like, in a weird way, like, Stephen Prince is kind of like... Yeah. He's kind of like... Travis. A, yeah, he's, like, a more compelling Travis in a weird way, you know? Um, and, again, it's, like, the same era. It's the same, you know, it's the same... It's it's just... It's almost... Um, oh, I had a sidebar about the Marlton. Jack Kerouac lived in the 50s. Lenny Bruce lived there in the 60s during his trial. Lillian Gish lived there in the turn of the century. And the lady who shot Andy Warhol, they arrested her at the Marlton. So, anyway. Historical building. I know, yeah. There, yeah. Was, there, was, Incredible. Yeah, there were a lot of ghosts. A lot, <laughs> just, a lot of ghosts just hanging over the place. Anyway, but uh, back to the raining thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love it. I love it. It's All right, look, I respect the person doesn't. Just Even deal loves with the it. Scale. I just just loves it. Doesn't want to do the scale. When will you watch um, it again? I agree. Yeah. Where, no. When will you? I watched it. I watched part of it yesterday. Nice. To, re to refresh myself. When do you think you'll get uh, nostalgic and want to watch it again? Five. It's a hard question. Four. <laughs> I don't know. Three. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, two. I don't know. But I'm, one. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned like the full force thing. Like I'm, I'm curious to see more. All right, let's just go on that journey. Oh, you know what? I, yeah. I do want to rewatch the sequel, the Richard Link letter. Oh yeah. Like. That's a good call. Um, I remember him talking in that documentary about like how Martin's like they're not friends anymore. Not for anything that I think happened specifically. You just fell out. But mm -hmm. what? They just fell out. It's just like you know a guy you hung out with in 1977. You know, it's like it's not a guy you maybe want to hang out with in 1985 or 1995, right? You kind of just grow away from the those people and that time and those drugs and you know that scene. But he seemed very like, oh, I haven't talked to Marty in 25 years. You know, mm -hmm. um, he seemed a little like sad about it, which I don't blame him. Yeah, here, like, get me a roll. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie was interesting enough that I would definitely want to check out that uh, sequel just to see what, what's going on with that. He, he, mm -hmm. uh, he tells a story in the sequel where he had a small part in New York, New York. Um, the I, I never I never saw that Martin Scorsese movie. They've turned it into a musical. But he, he's telling a story, Harold, I guess he was kind of, you know, like Sasha was saying, he was kind of like a jack of all trades. Like he was a friend, he was an assistant, he was this, he was that, he was a consultant, he was an actor, you know, but I guess he was helping out with the office or the editing. And he was like, oh, maybe this, this scene could be cut. And he said, Scorsese cut his entire like scene out of New York, New York. And like when he cut it, he said the film, cause it used to be on reels. He said the film just like hit the wall. <laughs> and just mm -hmm. kind of like spire like just snake down and he's like steven's like looking at like you know the role he had had in the movie just like you know <laughs> on the floor like a wounded snake mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i gotta look up what that sequel is but yeah watch richard linkletter's face he's just so entranced about like who is he 
who he's, uh, you know, in the company of. Amazing. Well, look, David, thank you so much for coming on. Shut up. I love it. Bring it on this movie. Otherwise, I would never watch it. Honestly, never even know anything about it. Really eye-opening and fun um, hour. Um, yeah, I mean, can I just say, like, everybody go watch fucking Minamata on Hulu. It's oh, well, thank you. Really amazing movies. Like, really, really great movies. Thank Super you. Super great. Solid Johnny Depp. Like, Johnny very cool. I, if you love Japan, too, it's just like the whole weird, like, like part of the history um you, you know where we shot it right, right, Japan, right? i told you those stories right yeah, i mean tell us now we you shot, shot it in we japan shot it in serbia you shot it in serbia so we shot it in serbia and lift the veil for you and montenegro that's where we shot it this is, that's a good montenegro yet, accent that you're putting on there <laughs> It was, like, um, it was it was a nine million dollar movie, right? So it was a scrappy indie movie. Like they took a bus. Looks from, so good. They took a bus from like they like packed up the crew, crew and like three buses, and they went overnight from Serbia to Montenegro. Like that's how low budget this thing was, you know. And yet like, it looks like a billion dollars. It's so good and well, the Ser the Serbian crew was amazing. I mean, like they built. If you shout want, out, if you see the they're you, listening. The what's that? <laughs> They're listening for sure. They, they were for not sure. a fan. The Serbians were not a fan of mine. Um, they did not like my sense. But of humor. they are now because they did not like my sense them. of humor. Um, you know, it's you know, not but like all those like little like shacks that were kind of on the coastline, those little homes and stuff. Serbians like they brought wood to Montenegro and they built those like, you know, those badass little, those little facades. It's really impressive. Yeah. Filmmaking makes people just bring all their talents out um joe what's going on with you yes can you tell me joe Oh, nothing go to my youtube where you could see my documentary full force my youtube's idubs tv <laughs> what if i do this is the reveal that i had uh, rated by work. <laughs> no go to my website so you can follow my youtube i have my animated series robot guy teen team on there and i'm gonna have some more videos check it out up there in the future another great watch cool. uh any final words david um, I have a Minamata story, very short story. Oh. Please. Um, do you remember the scene where he sings Bob Dylan's Forever Young? Do you remember that? Yeah. He's babysitting the girl who's like very severely, you know, yeah. and, and a handicap. And um, in the script, he was supposed to sing Danny Boy, which is like an Irish folk song. And it's free. Mm -hmm. Free. But Johnny Depp mm -hmm. didn't sing Danny Boy. He started singing Forever Young, which is like a beautiful song, an amazing song, and perfect for the scene. Yeah. He did not have the rights to Forever uh, huh. Yeah. You know? It's a Bob Dylan song. It's not like it's like some obscure yeah. song. Like, oh, yeah, we can get the rights to that, you know, 1940s song. Uh-huh. He started singing Forever Young. And again, it's like they don't do a second take. You know, it's beautiful. And then, of course, all the line producers are freaking out because we don't have the rights to that. <laughs> And they're like, well, John, you know, we can't. And you know, he goes, I'll just call Bob. Whoa. And then it's in the movie. Oh, baby, that's a good one. Amazing story. It helps story. to know Bob Dylan. Woo, helps to be Johnny Depp, y'all. You know, Still so then, yeah, he it. sings right. it, and then they play the master recording. They play the Bob Dylan recording. So we got the publishing and the master. Wow. Again. It's amazing. Um, people. 
I, I love Johnny Depp. I should I, have sang I, a Bob Dylan song at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. Again, I'm not Johnny Depp. Uh, I don't know Bob Dylan. Um, well, thank you again, David, for coming on Shut Up. I love it. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this awesome track. And thank you for listening.